Consensus Network. Bitcoin is the only thing that you really own because it's in your head. But this whole paradigm, it's a seismic shift in how the world works. And I don't think we've yet realized how to fully adapt to it, especially governments, right? If you think about it, Bitcoin needs to trigger a huge waterfall of changes. The best protection that I think is we get the governments to have Bitcoin because then they're orange-pilled. Yeah, and then you align their thinking with the Bitcoin ethos, right? It's like the Trojan horse. I think the eventual evolution of governance has to be actually similar to Bitcoin. It's a consensus model where you need a supermajority to change any rule set. And I think the rule set has to be minimized massively. Mm-hmm. So there's a company in Mexico that's tokenizing promissory notes They're right. called Milfiel. And they've done like two... Milfiel? Milfiel. Not Milf. That, that's nothing to do with Milfs. No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Just checking. <laughs> Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show. A Bitcoin philosophy show with Knut Svanholm and me, Luke the Pseudofin. Today's episode comes to you from Prague, where we had the chance to sit down with Samson Mo, formerly of Blockstream, CEO of Jan3, and one of the most important figures in the block size wars. In this episode, we'll learn all about Jan3, we'll discuss the relationship between nation states and Bitcoin, and we'll explore what governance might look like in the future. Ownership versus possession, borders, the difference between hodling and saving a healthy dose of gaming talk, and more. Before we dive in, we'd like to quickly remind you that the best way to support the show is to stream us some sats or send us a boost on a value-for-value podcasting app such as Fountain. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, check out Fountain if you haven't already. You can earn sats from listening to podcasts, and you can support your favorite shows through value-for-value. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe to the channel, and turn on notifications so you never miss a weekly episode. And finally, we want to thank today's sponsors, Wasabi Wallet, Orange Pill App, and BitcoinBook.shop. All their information is in the description, and we'll be talking a little more about them later. And now, without further ado, Samson Mo on the Freedom Footprint Show. Welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show, Samson. We're, uh, we're in Prague. We've just been to a conference. How was your conference? I think it was good. I'm still <laughs> jet-lagged, so I'm not sure what day it is or where I am, but... Is the, I think it was good. Is that a feature or a bug? Like <laughs> both. <laughs> All right. And uh, we did a concert together like a couple of days back. We did. With Nevermind, who has never rehearsed. Like the. Uh, never practiced. Never practiced. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Nirvana cover band with the us two and uh, Michael Anton Fisher and. Uh, Mark, whatever his name is, Princess <laughs> from, Plo from uh, on Twitter, pr- for, yeah, from the Princess Hotel in Stuttgart, yeah, Bitcoin Hotel, but their yeah. Twitter handle is still Princess Plo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the uh, it's the world's first twenty-one star hotel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The reception was great. Everyone loved your singing <laughs> and screaming, uh, except me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was uh, yeah. good. We were good joking fun. afterwards that uh, you're the professional rock star and we're like the high school band supporting you. <laughs> uh, that's, if that's the case, yeah, that's uh, uh, we should keep it up. <laughs> so uh, n- 
never mind unplugged never happened could have happened yesterday but unfortunately i could make it next next time <laughs> next time but do we change the name like if we do green day next time yeah we'll be we orange, orange day, day. Yeah. yeah yeah of course okay <laughs> we just change it every time <laughs> yeah so uh you're the ceo of jan3 uh, can you give us the TLDR of what Jan3 does? Yeah, so Jan3 is a Bitcoin tech company. We're known for nation-state Bitcoin adoption, but we also are building a wallet, uh, a Bitcoin and liquid wallet. So it's the Aqua wallet that was started at Blockstream. So I kind of took that over um, with Jan3 and we've been working on it. We paused development for a few months. Now we're restarting it. Hopefully we'll launch it before end of the year. Oh, nice. But it's meant to support our grassroots initiatives. So we want to get top-down adoption from countries, yeah. governments, politicians, but we also want to support the grassroots initiatives too and get more people into Bitcoin. And I think Aqua is that channel because it'll support um, liquid assets. And in liquid, you also have USDT. So the plan is that we'll launch in these large remittance corridors or places where they're seeing a lot of devaluation of their currency, but they're also using Tether. And we hope to siphon off some of the Tether from the altcoin blockchains into Liquid. Into Liquid. So so that your background is, you used to be the CEO of Blockstream, right? CSO. CSO, yeah, yeah. So, and then you moved to, uh, and then you started Jam3 and now you're doing this thing. Yeah. We're still very close yeah. with Blockstream. Uh, all right. They still right. invited me to their dinner. <laughs> and uh, That's very nice of them. We're still building yeah, on yeah. Blockstream tech. We're uh, using GDK yeah. and we're building on Liquid. Nice. So is the, the thought of, uh, uh, grassroots and top-down at the same time to reach the middle. So is, is there a bell curve thing thought behind that? Or were... I guess so, you could yeah, say yeah. that, right? <laughs> like, a lot of people don't see the importance of reaching out to the governments. They think, we'll just do grassroots. Yeah. But I think you actually need both because you have a, you have a strong endorsement if the government makes Bitcoin legal tender, like in El Salvador. Yeah. But you also have the benefit of making Bitcoin into money because of policy, because they can remove capital gains on Bitcoin, yeah. which enables it to be money. So you could have a community transacting, but let, let's take Indonesia as an example. You can't spend Bitcoin there, otherwise you can go to jail, right? So you can say, we're going to start up a community, we're going to do Bitcoin payments, Some but dangerous. in theory, the government can crack down on you and yeah. throw you all in jail. So in the ideal world, we can work with them and educate them about what Bitcoin is and say, you can't really stop it. Bitcoin is information and Bitcoin is economic freedom. And it's better to embrace it and open up because yeah. it's going to happen anyways. Yeah. So do you want to throw some tourists into jail? Like if Nut is in Indonesia <laughs> and he bought a coffee, do you yeah. really want to put Nut in jail? No, I don't uh, think yeah, so. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's sort of the same attitude we have with the Free Madeira organization that like this thing is happening and uh, we're all preparing for hyper-Bitcoinization. And uh, the way I see it, we have two ways of doing that. And it's the, um, the violent way and the diplomatic way. Yeah. And the diplomatic way is unfortunately, you know, collaborating with governments. <laughs> but yeah, it is what it is. You missed an opportunity on stage. You should have screamed, free Madeira. <laughs> I should have. We're fist <laughs> Next in the air. time there'll be a shout out. I always forget the shout outs. Like uh, <laughs> I even forget the the Freedom Footprint shows sometimes <laughs> when when I'm on stage. But I remembered it uh, yesterday. So yeah, that was good. Yeah, but yeah. Like a lot of people don't want to work with governments, and it's understandable, right? Yeah. Because there's a mistrust of governments. But I think 
at the end of the day, governments are still made of people and yeah. you can still have good people in the government yeah. and they may not know about Bitcoin. So I was talking recently with some people uh, about the work that Jan3 does. And it's really bringing that game theory to the forefront. Yeah. So the game theory around Bitcoin exists, how it will inevitably win. But I think if the governments don't know about Bitcoin, no. then they can't participate in the game. They need to know about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really what we're doing. We're saying there's mining yeah. is an opportunity, converting your energy into money. Yeah. There is Bitcoin as a treasury asset. You can buy Bitcoin, accumulate, eradicate debt. Yeah. There is accepting Bitcoin as money, opening up economic freedom for everyone. Yeah. And banking the unbanked. But you kind of have to tell them there is this game. Yeah, yeah. Or else they don't play the game. No, no, exactly. And how do you view that, like governments owning Bitcoin? Like, how does it work? Like, custodial versus like some some uh, multi-sig thing that the parliament has a multi-sig wallet. <laughs> like, how, how do you see that playing out in the future? Well, I think custodial does have a, a place. It's easy for people to use, yeah. maybe for governments as well, because I don't think there has been a uh, very robust multi-sig design yet. We've worked on some things for El Salvador, yeah, but the question is, what happens when the government changes over? Who has the yeah, keys? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can, can the president run away with the coins? Yeah, yeah. Some guy so, has the keys. That's the yeah. dilemma there. These are very complex issues that we don't have a template to go off of. No. We have some designs that we've yeah. made, but I think it is a multi-sig and it, there are elements of the multi-sig that have to like be turned over. New government, new yeah. multi-sig setup, move funds from one wallet to another wallet. But yeah, custodial solutions might be the easier way to get governments in because they can just sign up for some service and mm. uh, maybe the best way is using like three different custodians. Yeah, so yeah. not one of them will screw you. But I mean, there's also an interesting thing here too, which is if uh, you use the US custodian and they freeze your Bitcoin, yeah. that is a really good lesson for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's it's no an really expensive lesson, but there's the no lesson real also. wrong way to go about no. it, right? No, yeah, uh, I've been thinking about that, like the the difference between ownership and possession. Yeah, because Bitcoin sort of flips that whole thing on its head because it's a, it, an even even deeper layer than just possession, yeah. because it's it's all no just knowing a secret. So you could, from a certain perspective, you could say that all Bitcoins uh, exist in people's heads and yeah. nowhere else yeah. because it's all about keeping a secret. That's so true. like, and that's so. Uh, that leads you to all sorts of other weird thoughts about you you sort of have to rethink the whole concept of property and yeah and an intellectual property like intellectual property is a government construct really it never it doesn't exist in the real world well physical mm. property also is a construct yeah it is a construct but at least it's a construct that's rooted in in uh, you know the notion that you own your own faculties and homesteading and all of that. There's a... But you don't. <laughs> if you're paying, paying property tax, you're renting from the government. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so um, And there is also, um, they can seize land, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you don't... You Appropriation. Don't, yeah, so you can legally own your property but uh, and you can possess it, but all of that doesn't matter if people with guns come to your home and just take it from you. Yeah, a lot of them don't know, but uh, expropriation, it's a very common thing, especially if you have large tracts of land and they want to build a highway or yeah. a train a railway somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They'll just say, we're buying that from you. Yeah. This is the price. Yeah. 
and they print money to do it. Well, that's true. <laughs> but you, you don't really own it. Bitcoin is the only thing that you really own. Yeah. Because yeah. it's in your head. But this whole paradigm, it, it's, a, it's a seismic shift in how the world works. Yeah. And I don't think we've yet realized how to fully adapt to it, especially governments, right? If you think about it, Bitcoin needs to trigger a huge waterfall of changes yeah. in a number of areas, regulatorily and in just general laws, property laws. Yeah. Um, you know, there have to be more protections added for people's property, right? Because if they, I think there, there was an example of this, um, they pulled someone over and they pulled out his seed phrase from his wallet and they, it was recorded on a camera, right? And who were they and where was this? It was the police. It was like a regular pullover or something like yeah. that. And the guy just happened to have a seed phrase and it was on the news that uh, they showed the seed phrase on the camera. Oh, so. There's a lot of new protections that need to be added. Like right now, when you cross a border, technically they can search your electronic devices, right? There have to be new protections added where yeah. they can't do that because that border officer can steal your possessions. Yeah. And no one would be the wiser. There's no way to have a control in place to prevent him from memorizing your 12 words. No, which is why you should do that and cross the border yeah, without the device. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but still, like you might be forced to unlock your computer and you might yeah. not have a password on your wallet. Yeah. There's a number of yeah, yeah. little edge cases that have to be addressed, I think. Yeah. And I think that's further down the Jan3 mission. First, we want to get them to participate in Bitcoin yeah. game theory. And later on, we hope that that relationship will allow us to work with optimization of these laws to better protect property. So in your view, in, in the long run, does Bitcoin obsolete borders altogether? I think so. Yeah. The whole concept of borders has to change. And I've been thinking about this a lot. The prosperity of a nation is really the people. Yeah. You want good people to come. Yeah. And you can't really keep people. Well, you can, but it's not that It's getting exponentially harder. It's getting well. harder, but it's also very unethical <laughs> yeah. to keep people, right? Yeah. So if people can move across borders and they can move their assets with them across borders, you have to far better align your incentives with those of the people. Yeah. So you actually need to um, have a nice country that is safe, that is not crazy, that has energy. Yeah. Um, it has to be a conductive environment for business, right? Yeah. And if you look at a lot of things that El Salvador is doing, it is exactly all these things. They're yeah. trying to build a place that people want to go to. Whereas other countries, like in Western countries, it's almost the opposite. Yeah. They, they want to limit immigration, especially even legal immigration. They yeah. don't want doctors coming, no. right? They don't want people bringing their money in or out. They're trying to limit the flow of economic activity in and out, yeah. right? But this is just a, a slow way to go into a dead end, right? Yeah. It's like all that economic prosperity has to come from either people moving their capital in or moving their brains in and building businesses and other things in yeah. the country. So if you don't have that, then you're just going to decline. Yeah, so West is the new East. <laughs> we'll see in, in Europe. I mean, when things get bad enough, yeah. I think uh, a lot of the, the governments will wake up and understand we can't keep doing this, right? No. And I think maybe we're getting close to that point because people are realizing their economic conditions are deteriorating rapidly. Inflation is rampant. You have double digit inflation in the UK last year. Yeah. That's, and that's the official number. Yeah, like. that's the official number. <laughs> and that's traditionally reserved for, you know, Venezuela, Argentina. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's hitting Western nations yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Norway too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Like Norway used to be so that the Norwegian Corona used to be very strong. Yeah, but it's not anymore. It's it, not just. But there's an opportunity, right? And yeah. This is uh... chaos is a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but um, all these other countries, jurisdictions, places like Madeira, yeah. I think they have an opportunity now to open up and implement better policy that will bring that money and bring that talent. Yeah, and and remote small places suddenly all of a sudden have an advantage against these bigger entities and bigger players. Yeah, and uh, so it's so it's really turning things on its head and like, uh, yeah, because yeah. Bitcoin is everywhere. Yeah. And I, I saw a picture of someone trying to flee uh, the Ukraine, uh, either a Russian guy or a Ukrainian guy. I don't remember. I don't remember. But he had in his hand luggage, he had like a gold bar, a stack of yeah, uh, rubles, a stack of uh, <laughs> dollars and a stack of euros. I saw that too. And he, uh, it all got confiscated. And the beauty of that thing is that the Twitter thread, like it's posted on Twitter and all the all the replies are just, hey, look at this idiot that can't remember 12 words. And people are going to learn from that. Like yeah. you, you don't have to make the mistake yourself. You don't have to learn it the hard way. All the information is out there. You just need to know where to look, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But um, that that creates the new problem, which is now if everyone did remember 12 words and they did want to uh, stop you from moving money, yeah. they can just detain you for no reason. And basically they can say, you have 100 Bitcoin, um, give it up. Yeah. But, and then what, how do you prove you don't have it? Right. Yeah, but still, uh, if you have more than 100 Bitcoin, <laughs> you can give them 100 and just get away. Right, but the point is... <laughs> I don't think that should be the case. And no, I think no, we need stronger not. protections against that. And the best protection that I think is we get the governments to have Bitcoin because yeah. then they're orange pilled. Yeah. And then you align their thinking yeah, with exactly. that of the Bitcoin ethos, right? Yeah. You can it's like the Trojan horse. You give them the thing, maybe they're mining it, maybe they have it, but they'll start to come around, understand hard money, yeah. understand the value of property, yeah. and understand basic uh, Bitcoin ethos. I think that's how you change the system. Otherwise, if you have that that gap of the haves and the have-nots, the yeah. have-nots are always going to try to take from the haves. Yeah. Right? It's basic communism 101. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you have every individual that is orange-pilled in a parliament or government, yeah. they, they are their incentives are aligned with ours. Yeah. And not only that, you can, you can expand on that even further and go to these my new age, your, your Bitcoin ideas, like we're, we're all part of the same entity now, but yeah. since it, all it is is in our heads and yeah. created the electromagnetic cardiovascular system between people <laughs> or something. Uh, That's very deep. Yeah. It's too deep for uh, 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> all right. So let's keep it more shallow then. Um, yeah, you uh, employed um, our good friend, uh, Prince Philip, like, uh, a year back now, or yeah, it's been a little less, yeah. And uh, what well, what was the uh, motive behind that decision? Like, well, well, he wanted to focus 100% on Bitcoin, so yeah. he left his fiat finance job and yeah. went all in Bitcoin. And um, he wants to see if he can help us in our mission to orange pill nation states. And he has a very unique network of yeah. royal families around the world. Yeah, right? and um, if you heard him talking yesterday, he's 
all about low time preference and I know. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, he's on your but, show too, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's we all spend about some time together. <laughs> tapping into that network and then yeah. opening new doors because there are monarchies either active or inactive in all these countries. Yeah. And we can try to use those to get new introductions to you know, governments and presidents and prime ministers. Yeah. Uh, we wish him luck in his <laughs> orange pilling of various royal <laughs> royal characters around yeah. the globe. <laughs> yeah, so monarchy versus republic then, like what's, what are the pros and cons of that? Did you think anything about that? Did you have any, ever have any thoughts about that? Or like, well, you know, Philip obviously is biased towards monarchy. Yeah, I find it funny, like his bias is pretty, <laughs> but <laughs> something ironic to it. <laughs> yeah, I thought a lot about the governance structures because I'm actually making a sci-fi game Uh -huh. It's called Infinite Fleet, and it's set in the cool. future. And um, one of the things I wanted to address with it in terms of the lore is have a more comprehensive universe. Because if you look at things like Star Trek or Star Wars, I think Star Wars is doing a lot more fleshing out of their worlds, right? Yeah. Politically, economically. But if you look at something like Star Trek, the political economic part is completely missing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm credits. They call credits. <laughs> no, they just don't have money. It's yeah, a yeah. utopian society. <laughs> all right, right, all right. But then they do have money. They have uh, Latinum. So Latinum? Somehow there's money, but there is not money. Oh. But if you really think about that world deeply, then you kind of wonder, like, how did someone build a house somewhere? Yeah, how did they build the enterprise? <laughs> well, they could use automation, but still, like, If you settle on a planet somewhere, who would build your house? Yeah, yeah. Would they do it because they like to? Or did you pay them somehow? But there's no money, <laughs> apparently. So I don't know. But I've been thinking a lot about governance structures too and what the future governance structure would be. I don't think it is monarchy or republic or anything. Um, democracy is not ideal. It's a constant 51% attack, right? Yeah. And, you know, Philip might not like it when I say this, but I, I tell him this too, but... You can have a good monarch, but you can also have a bad monarch. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. only way to get out of that system is to kill the monarch. Yeah, yeah. You can right? have Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you love Game of Thrones. Uh, I, well, the first four seasons. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think the eventual evolution of governance has to be actually similar to Bitcoin. Yeah. It's a consensus model yeah. where you need a super majority to change any rule set. And I think the rule set has to be minimized massively. So we have this concept of the lawmaker right now, mm -hmm. but there is no law remover. So no. all you do is you're complicating the rule set. Yeah, it's like yeah. Ethereum. You make it more <laughs> and more complex over time where no one understands how anything works anymore. Yeah. And you bolt on new things and the incentives for bolting on new things could be economic stimulus or random things or things that have no relation with the base core rule set, right? Yeah. So you just end up with this monstrosity that you don't really know if you broke the law or not. And that gives the state actually more power because they can yeah. use that to do whatever they want, basically. Sounds like the Soviet Union, where everyone was afraid and everyone was afraid of being <laughs> thrown in jail. And just or Canada, thought, right? Or Canada. Because you have a law that was implemented in a well-meaning manner, the yeah. Emergencies Act, which was meant for an emergency. Yeah, yeah. But the question is, what is an emergency? Yeah, that's what happened to the Weimar Republic, the Weimar Republic. Uh, the uh, article 38 or whatever it's yeah. called that's that's what hitler used to to ban all the other parties later down the line yeah oh so i get more power with an emergency there's definitely an emergency <laughs> going on. It's, yeah. it's funny how that works yeah, suddenly it's, it's an emergency <laughs> so well-meaning laws can be used in a very evil way yeah as we've seen in history yes 
And there is no real way around that. No. It's just the realization that that can happen. And we need to have a better way. Is it way. inevitable? I think so. Yeah. I think this is why we have to go to some consensus rule system. Yeah. So in infinitely in the universe, there is a foundational law. And that's yeah. basically you compared to the Ten Commandments. Yeah. It's very, very simple. Don't kill, don't steal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then you have different citadels. Citadels are the states. They yeah. might have additional flavors of it, but it's still very minimalistic, right? So you have foundation that which everyone follows, and then you have little flavors of extra laws. But you cannot add something new unless there's a supermajority agreeing, which is 95%. Yeah. And uh, the thing that makes it work is it, it's the future, it's in space, so you can leave if you don't agree and you can create your new colony, right? All and right. You have automation, you have uh, nanotech and everything, so it's not difficult to go somewhere else. So you, your background is in gaming, right? You started at Activision, I think. Uh, Ubisoft, well, Ubisoft, Relic, which Relic, was okay. THQ back then. All right. Yeah. And then you left and started your own thing, like with a couple of people. Then I went to Ubisoft and you, uh, spun up a new um, studio for them in Western China. Then I started right, my own thing. All right, all right. So what's what's your most most famous gaming title that you worked on? I don't know. Maybe Dawn of War or Company of Heroes. All right. They're both very highly rated real time strategy games. Nice, cool. I play StarCraft two every once in a while with with Hodlonaut. Did you play StarCraft one? I I did. Really? I did. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. Competitively? Not competitive. I, StarCraft one. I only played uh, the single player mode. Okay. Like nowadays, I, I, I mean, I suck. I suck. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, uh, it's the only sport I watch. Like I really love uh, seeing competitive StarCraft games yeah. because because it's not uh, it's not people trying to kick a ball and and fake the fake injuries. It's uh, you know aliens shooting one another and. Well, that's more skill. entertaining to me. It's pure skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what format is this fleet? It's basically uh, it's M MMO RTS. We call it All MMO right. strategy for sim simplicity because we don't know what RTS is anymore. All right. Sadly, but um, if you can think about it at a high level, it's like StarCraft but spread out over time. All so right. So you do your base building on your phone because yeah. we're busy now, right? We're not uh -huh. at the age where we can sit in front of the computer for eight hours. Yeah. So you can do a lot of the base building offline on the companion app, management of your fleet upgrades. Uh -huh. And then you go to your computer, you can play the combat part in front okay. of your screen and you have the beautiful Vista. So it's a PC game, but basically StarCraft, but uh, spread out over time. Yeah. Is the, so uh, is the internet a computer game? And if so, what are the objectives? The objectives are have fun. <laughs> Staying poor? Yeah. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors. First up, Orange Pill App. Stack friends who stack sats, meet like-minded Bitcoiners near you, and help speed up hyper-Bitcoinization with Orange Pill App. Bitcoin isn't an online-only phenomenon, and Orange Pill App helps facilitate the social layer, connecting Bitcoiners in their local area. It maintains your privacy through the whole process, and since you have to pay to access the app, you know that everyone there cares about Bitcoin and is high signal. A great new feature is events. You can create events and meetups right from the Orange Pill app and help build your local community while maintaining the Bitcoin-only signal. Orange Pill app is available on iOS and Android. Download now. Next up, Wasabi Wallet, an open-source, non-custodial desktop wallet that is trustless, easy to use, and affordable. It has CoinJoin built in to facilitate your privacy, 
Every Bitcoin transaction leaves a clear footprint, but with Wasabi, you can make sure that others can't track your steps and threaten your sovereignty. Just send your coins to Wasabi Wallet, wait, and your coins will be private on the other end. It's open source, trustless by design, and non-custodial. You have full control over your keys. Check it out now at wasabiwallet.io. I was interested when you were talking about kind of the, the consensus mechanism for future governance. Do you have an idea of how we get there and what are even the steps that are possible now to go towards that? It's hard to say. I think first no. we have to get to a Bitcoin standard and then more people understand the value of consensus. Yeah. Because consensus is not valued right now. It's just about getting enough to pass a law, just yeah. getting enough votes and then representing people. But I think with the state of the world as it is now, you have the internet, we're all interconnected. We are all pretty educated. I don't think you need to delegate your decision-making to someone else. We can make our own decisions. Yeah. I think this is the only way to go forward. Otherwise, we're constantly in a 54% yeah, yeah. attack with one another. So we have to first see the value in that. And then I think somewhere, some someplace in the world, maybe Madeira, yeah. will become independent and they'll implement the system. And yeah. then people will see this is actually a good system. Yeah. Like people that I've talked to on my team, uh, Pixmatic, about this idea, because uh, we're writing the lore, like yeah, it has yeah. the layer on top of the, the idea. But they're saying, like, well, how would you ever pass the law if you need 95% of people to agree? And that's the point. That's you the don't. point. <laughs> so you, it, only have to, it would only be a very important law. Yeah. And it has to affect everyone. If it doesn't, then it doesn't need to be, right? You can just, if you, let's say you want to build something for, uh, I don't know, some charity program, yeah. then the people that want to fund it will fund it. Yeah. You don't need to do it through the government. No. And I think this is the right way to go. I, I think that has been the key to success for Switzerland to some extent, since every time they yeah. in, there's a proposed tax raise, they, uh, they have to uh, have a, a, a general election about it. Yeah. And people in general don't want taxes to go up. <laughs> yeah. Switzerland is actually a great example. Like, uh, even if there is a road project or infrastructure project, they'll create a tax just for that or raise the yeah. capital for that. And then that goes away. The problem is with most systems of governance, those things never go no. away. You have this um, problem where you have this bucketization. Everything just goes into one big bucket and then it's oh. respent from that bucket. But there's no accountability because it's just a big bucket of things that are supposed to be done for the good of the people. Yeah. Quote unquote. Bucketization. I must remember that word. That's, you can <laughs> quote me. That's my term. But bucketization is the, the problem with everything, right? Yeah. It's similar to the, like the, all the lending platforms, right? They take all your money and they put it into a big bucket and they yeah. do something with it. Yeah. You don't know what they're doing. No. So I think it's okay to do lending if it's done peer to peer, like with HODL HODL or something like yeah, that, yeah. right? Where you have a knowledge that your counterparty is, you may not know who they yeah, are, yeah. but they're over collateralized. That's all you need to know. The, I don't it, care who they are as long as they're over collateralized. Yeah. And it's basically a, a free market competition on future things. Like yeah. that's that's how loans and mortgages are supposed to work. Yeah, and since there's a free market competition, that will drive down interest rates in, uh, eventually. Mm -hmm. But right now, all all of that is artificial because it's done by money printing instead of yeah instead of the real thing. So back to back to the future or back to back to outer space. Uh, would Bitcoin work on Mars, or is there a hashing horizon somewhere that, like, 
that's the thing I've been thinking of. Is is it possible to replicate the uh, the experiments on Mars, or was is Mars too far away from uh, ever syncing with the network? Would Lightning work on Mars? What do you think? So we actually did a April Fool's joke for Blockstream back a few years ago. <laughs> uh, we we came up with the lava sidechain. So I think you could just have a sidechain per planet, and because the sidechain is self-contained, you can have a lightning network on top of that sidechain for that planet. And you only really need to peg in and peg out when you yeah. want to go back to the main chain, which is probably going to be at the nexus of where the hash rate is. Yeah. I don't think you can distribute the hash rate uh, throughout the solar system because you won't be able to sync, right? Exactly. It's the speed of light is the barrier. Yeah. So, so the only way to have distributed hash rate in a star system is with quantum entanglement, where you can have instantaneous yeah, yeah. communications. That's not happening in a day. Well, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Madeira will develop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking of other sci-fi stuff, artificial intelligence. I've been. Uh, I had some interesting conversation uh, conversations about that this this weekend, and uh, I think I finally figured out what, why it's not intelligence. It's not, and and uh, it's because it doesn't have agency. That's the main problem. It it cannot. It can only be the slave, and it can never be the master. Um, and yet, uh, yet, but like, uh, why would why would we want that barrier to ever be crossed? Like, what would we want? And and do we since we don't even know what consciousness is and what agency is, and free will is a very weird concept in itself. Do you think that's ever happening, or is AI always just a tool, just a means to some actor's ends? Well, I think it can. Well, the dangerous thing, dangerous thing is if it has agency and it can go out into the wild. Yeah, right? Skynet. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily a barrier right now. Like the problem right now with current AI is that it is simulating conscious thought or conscious responses to whatever you're asking it, right? Yeah, but it's always responsive. It's never coming up with novel ideas on its own. Well, it can repackage things into novel ideas, right? It can present something still. But the problem is the AIs not, are not really intelligent. They're just simulating what looks like intelligence yeah. still. So if you ask it some questions, like I played around with one AI and uh, I asked it some factual things. It knows some things, like I asked who's the president of El Salvador, What's he known for? Blah blah blah. Then I asked, like, uh, who's Adam back? And it made up a response. Yeah. So it's not. It knows some things, but anything it doesn't know, it just lies. Basically. Well, it just, <laughs> it just, it's approximating what a a real answer would look like. Yeah. But even then, I think it's still useful. These AIs right now can be useful, but what you need to give it is memory. It has to be able to retain some data over time. And I played with some new experimental ones that are trying to incorporate memory, long-term memory into the AIs, but it doesn't seem to work because I think it's just going into that language model mm -hmm. and it's just pulling relevant things out of it occasionally. All but right. it's forgetting some things too. Oh. But I think that will probably be the next step that transforms it into something usable, right? Mm -hmm. Because I forget things, you probably do too, right? Never. <laughs> but you could give it knowledge and ask it some question. And if it can accurately remember it, that would be a very useful AI. Yeah. So are you, uh, for this game you're developing, is, is, are you uh, implementing AI in any way in, into that? 
It's on the roadmap, but not a priority. All right. Yeah. Right now, the priority is like getting basic, more basic game functionality out there. Yeah. Uh, um, will there be like lightning payments within the game? Uh, not within, but you can. Well, yeah, within the game, you can buy things with lightning and Bitcoin. So it is in the game, then. Yeah, it's just in the game. <laughs> but it's it's not like a lightning game. Like, All right. You buy the uh, hard currencies, and you can buy spaceships with lightning. Yeah, yeah. So. Is this the future for gaming? Like, what what is Lightning's role and the role of sidechains in in the gaming industry? So we tokenize some stuff. Uh, we tokenize a game currency because we wanted to be bearer and transportable, and uh, that's a token on Liquid. All right. And then the spaceships are NFTs, and this was actually a design that I came up with even before NFT hype because I wanted players to be able to do uh, atomic swaps. All right. So you get the you earn the game currency, one of the game currencies, INF, and you have uh, a spaceship, and then they're both on the liquid chain. You can just do that single chain atomic swap, so it's trustless. All right. So it's solving a play, a problem for players because historically you get the World of Warcraft thing, and well, you can't buy things; they don't let you. But if people do that anyways, yeah. So what you do is you, you know, send me the thing first, then I'll send you a payment, right? But now it's instant. Well, this yeah. gets rid of the fraud, right? The ripping people off and yeah, it's instant yeah. too. So I think that's interesting having uh, digital assets in the game. But we only did um, spaceships and the game currency because it's still there's still friction there, right? Yeah, because yeah. you need to pay the network fee. Yeah, Liquid is still you know a few cents for a transaction. Okay. But what's interesting now is you have uh, RGB and then maybe things like um, uh, what was it pair pair credit from um, Tether from Paulo. And that has no chain. So we could tokenize every single digital asset and just let people trade those with atomic swaps. So, so why aren't liquid sidechains shitcoins? Like, what, what separates them from shitcoins? It depends on what your definition of shitcoin is. If it's a, a digital thing other than Bitcoin, then yeah, you can say it's shitcoin. <laughs> but for me, the definition of shitcoin is something that's scamming somebody, right? All right. For liquid, their tokens, their digital assets, or whatnot, but no one is saying it's decentralized, right? Yeah. I'm pretty upfront. It's a game currency. Yeah. It's not the future of money. So it's is not... NFT the right word then for these spaceships? Like, well, the thing is, the term NFT has been corrupted because it's associated with scams now. It, but it's so associated it's with most most NFTs aren't non fungible and they aren't even tokens. Like, yeah. <laughs> but this is actually a token. It's a one off yeah. token in All Liquid. Right. So right. you have uh, like Tether, for example, is issued in Liquid. That's fungible, right? This is just that single issue token. There's only one of that token. So it is uh, literally an non-fungible token, yeah, yeah. and at the end of the day, it's an in-game currency. So yeah, we don't who cares? say it's, we, we don't <laughs> say it's like a world computer, no. right? This is the the difference, I think. All right, but in Liquid, you can also have um, tokenized stocks. There's the blockstream mining note, right? Tokenized what? Stocks, stocks, like equities, all right, all right. basically. All right, yeah, and I think this is a or any financial instrument. I think this is a direction that Liquid is going to go into further. Mm -hmm. So there's a company in Mexico that's tokenizing um, promissory notes. They're right. called Milfiel, and they've done like two... Milfiel? Milfiel, not Milf. That's nothing to do with Milfs. No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Next time. But um, <laughs> they've done $200 million of these promissory notes, and they're just using Liquid as a mechanism to trade these financial notes. So there is this need for a financial system, the future financial system built on Bitcoin somehow. Right? Yeah. And I think Liquid is a good option for that. Well, isn't that like <laughs> on on a global Bitcoin standard? Uh, 
isn't the financial entire financial sector like going away somehow? Like, no. why why would you need a uh, smart contract that it has? It's not a smart contract though. It's just a token All representing. All right. All right. It's bearer and it's private. So, yeah, yeah. So so it will replace shares over time. I think it'll replace a lot of that financial infrastructure, like right. the stock market. All right. So you'll just issue your shares on a sidechain or something like that. We, we we talked about this point uh, yesterday, basically that, that yeah. maybe Bitcoin is is half of everything, and that the other yeah. half still needs to exist. The world still needs to run, yeah. basically. Is that yeah. kind of a point you're missing? Well, I don't know if it's half. I think Bitcoin is everything, but on that everything, you still need companies. Like companies are not going to go away, right? Yeah. The concept of capital formation, investing in companies. Um, getting dividends, things like that, they're not going to disappear. And you need some some layer there that is going to facilitate that. It can't be a shitcoin like Ethereum, but it can be liquid because there's no token involved, right? People are building on liquid because right. you can do stuff like smart contracts. Um, if you look at stuff that uh, Volpo Ventures is building, uh, Fuji USD, other things, they're all using smart contracts on liquid. So you can do that and not have that regulatory risk that it's a security. And there's no shitcoin involved because the native token of Liquid is LPTC, which is just Bitcoin pegged Pegged into Liquid. So if you like Bitcoin will become money. Yeah. Everything will be priced in Bitcoin in sats or bits. Yeah. But then you still have companies. Sats. (laughs) We'll we'll see. Talk to Adam. (laughs) But uh, you'll still have companies, you'll still have bonds, you'll still have lots lots of different things. And those can all exist on a Bitcoin sidechain that settles in Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, about the BitSats debate, like, w- w- what's your stance on that? Uh, I like Bits. Like, uh, when I started out, it was Bits. The, the reason I don't like it is because it already has a meaning in in computer science. A bit is a bit, like, a kilobit is a kilobit. Yeah, a satellite is a satellite. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> oh, all right. But um, how about kilosats? And <laughs> I don't know. It's like bits. Like uh, Adam frames it like you know there. There's a Bitcoin and there's bits of that Bitcoin. <laughs> and the, the the numbering is good. It's like a million versus a hundred million, right? So you have a hundred million bits, and then you have the sense, which is the sats. I think bits and sats can coexist. Mm, we'll see. It's gonna be fun to watch that play out. It's and the next see what civil war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's unsat. Yeah, so uh, what you're saying is that everything divided by 20 million is still correct. 21 million. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did I say? You slipped. Yeah, I can't believe it. What did I say then? 20 million. 20 million. Like, you just factored out Satoshi's coins, right? <laughs> it's, it's okay, you're still technically yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay yeah. then. He's good. He's Maybe. Good. <laughs> About Satoshi's coins, uh, will they eventually move? Because someone you know, finds the private key. What, what do you think? I don't think Adam, I, I don't think Satoshi will move them ever. No, but will someone else move them? No, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. So, uh, if we assume just, just to play around with the thought that they move, what, what, what happens to Bitcoin if they move? It doesn't matter. It's just a million coins. The market will absorb it. Yes. Yes. Like people seem to think like it's a apocalyptic disaster thing, but it's not that many coins, really. No. Because uh, you get to remember, uh, we've lost probably more than, we're probably, we've probably lost like 3 million more coins. The supply of Bitcoin is probably you know, 17, yeah, yeah. 16 million. 
The reason I ask is uh, we asked Sailor this as well, and this is this is my view. It doesn't it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> the market will take care of it in a shorter time than we think. Yeah, and it's just basically to reaffirm that stance. <laughs> yeah, but well, Sailor will buy them all. The uh, Sailor will buy them all. Yeah, yeah, probably he'll buy Satoshi's coins. <laughs> the show is also sponsored by BitcoinBook.shop, the Bitcoin-only bookstore by Consensus Network. Consensus specializes in translations of Bitcoin books and also publishes original titles in English and many other languages. Check out bitcoinbook.shop for all your Bitcoin book needs. Consensus is always looking for new contributors, whether you have a book you want to publish, you want to help translate books into your native language, or you have some other way you want to get involved. So if you want to help spread the Bitcoin message, reach out to Consensus Network by Twitter or email. Details are in the show notes. So um, about coins being getting lost like are people underestimating the upcoming sat squeeze like what happens when this first generation of bitcoiners die will most of them take their bitcoins with them hopefully they don't <laughs> hopefully they can pass them on but um why, why though if they're in, in, infinitely divisible it, is there a is well it, for the sake of their descendants <laughs> Yeah, but it for the sake of the rest of the network, yeah, for for Knut or for their descendants. Yeah, for my kids, for Knut, I hope it, I uh, I hope I come up with a, some sort of type of inheritance plan if I haven't already. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I lost all my bo- uh, bitcoins in the trade. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah. That's why we have to do these these things now to get them back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to make a couple sets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, people don't really understand how few Bitcoin there are. No. And it's going to be a lot less next year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if people are still still thinking that, you know, that Satoshi million of million coins is a big deal, <laughs> until they learn there's like, like 3 million more missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just gone. At least. And, yeah. and also the, the hodlers of last resort that will never sell. Yeah. And that's, that's they are acting uh, towards to the network, they're they're the equivalent of a lost coin. Like yeah. they're, they're the same thing. So, uh, is is hodling different than saving? Is there a subtle difference between the two words? I don't know. What is your definition of hodling? Yeah, that's. I've been thinking about this a lot because what is hodling? Like an, an inanimate object can hodl, like <laughs> in theory at least. If a seed phrase is written down somewhere. Is that paper, piece of paper hodling the Bitcoin? Or yeah. I think if I go back to the original origin of the term hodling, yeah. it's just that you're not going to sell when people are freaking out. Yeah. Right. That was the post. Like I'm yeah, hodling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. sell. Panic sell. I think savings is savings, but hodling just shows that it's a you're you you have diamond hands and you're not going to freak out when people freak out. You might sell something to buy something, right? Yeah. I mean. There's a the mental, there's a school of thought in Bitcoin where you should sell your chairs to yeah, yeah, stack yeah, yeah. more stats. Yeah. But you know, like living a nice life is also a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, always a trade-off. Yeah. And also the, the more bitcoins you have, like since you're completely res- you are completely responsible. So if all of a sudden there are zeros on your screen and you don't know why, it's all your fault because there's no uh uh you can't call support and, and get support. Like the the responsibility is yours. Yeah. So there's of of course there's uh, 
a risk to that. You're, you're, you yourself is the biggest risk to, to your Bitcoin stack. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it makes sense to diversify somewhat. Yeah, just be happy. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yes, don't worry, be happy. Uh, you don't know when your last day is, so you can huddle and save. But yes, you know, maybe We're, going somewhere is also a good thing too, right? Yeah, very much aligned here, I feel. <laughs> So, Luke, do you have any last questions for Samsung? I think this is a good place to wrap it up, right? Yeah, the, the last one, uh, just because you've been talking about kind of the inevitability of all this, what do you see as the biggest threat or obstacle to that? Is it the thing that might break that inevitability? So, the beautiful thing about inevitability is that it is inevitable. Oh, so <laughs> it's going to happen regardless of what yeah. any of us do. Yeah. I, I think I, I get asked a lot, like, what is the biggest threat to Bitcoin? There is no threat to Bitcoin. There are threats to Bitcoiners, right? Yeah. We can be persecuted for having money. Yeah. Right. If you go back in history, it's very, very common, actually. And I think this is the biggest threat that we should be worried about. And this is why I think the work that we're doing at Gen3 is important because we're trying to educate governments and bring them into that game theory, make them aware of the game theory, and then align their incentives with Bitcoin. So we also get flack sometimes, like, why are you helping governments buy Bitcoin? It's no. like, we should separate money and state. What exactly do you think we're doing? If yeah, they're yeah, yeah. going on a Bitcoin standard, yeah. they're voluntarily separating money and state. Yeah, they are, because they're all individuals. A state is a intersubjective fiction yeah. backed by violence. <laughs> so so but it's made up of individuals. It's yeah. not a real thing. And at its uh, core. oftentimes those individuals have no mechanism to disassemble that apparatus, right? It's no, just of course. too powerful. Like we're yeah. very good at building these monolithic machines that we can't disassemble. It's just impossible, right? Yeah. You, have, you hear the the deep state and all these yeah, things. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to break down this system, especially yeah. when there are no tools that exist. Like, there are no law removers that audit the laws and condense them and simplify them. It's just not heard of, right? So, given that, given the complexity of all these political systems and institutions that have been built up over the last hundreds of years, Bitcoin is the only way to fix that. You have yeah. to inject it with that shot of orange and let it work <laughs> itself liquid. out. Yeah, you have, to, you have to let it work itself out. Because if you can fix the people inside, then you'll start to fix yeah. the rest of the machinery. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's a perfect ending. Samson, thank you very much for coming on the Freedom Footprint Show. Thank you for having me. See you next time. See you in Madeira. <laughs>